Coming up next on the Rude Radio Podcast, I am blessed to have with me today evangelist Rodney Thompson. And I'm going to tell you, Rodney has gone from the crack house to God's house. You ain't going to want to miss this one, folks. Stay with us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest with us today. Evangelist Rodney Thompson is with us. Rodney, thanks for being here today. It's really good to be here. Well, you know, listen, you have such a wonderful testimony. You know, we were eating lunch earlier today, and we were sharing, I think, mutual testimonies of going out in the field and, and um, you know, working with people and working with people who have had issues with drugs in the past and issues where they're just down down and out. Mm-hmm. And you have had, on Shabbat Night Live, you have had such a wonderful testimony that's blessed so many people. I wanted to go back and just, just kind of dive in a little bit deeper. Okay. And and tell me about where you came from. What's mm-hmm. Where are you about? What are you about? Tell me about... Uh, you growing up and what were your influences like and mm-hmm. how in the world did you even find Yeshua? Well, I was raised in a small town uh-huh. called Mount Gilead and uh-huh. a very loving family, my, uh-huh. my father and my mother, but they, they weren't Christians, yeah. so to speak, as I define it today. Yeah. They believed in Jesus, but it wasn't a real following. And so there was a lot of uh, um, teachings that, that were just worldly. And so there was acceptance of the world. So did you grow up in any kind of church? Were you in any church? It was, it was a Southern Baptist church, but it's eventually turned into the uh, the Baptist denominations that are accepting of homosexuality and, and all this kind of gotcha. stuff. So gotcha. it was a church without the power of God. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, so you're growing up yes. in this environment. What happened? Well, my family, um, my mom and my dad started having a lot of trouble, and I didn't start noticing it until I was nine or ten years old. Mm. And I tell folks, I said, you know, my parents ended up divorcing, and um, my older brother and older sister didn't react the same way I did. Mm -hmm. But I think it was at my age. I was at the age it was very impressionable. I was 10, 11 years old, and it just really devastated me. It fractured my psyche, so to speak, and it just created a, a, a real orphan spirit. I was wounded deeply with yeah. a father wound. Yeah. And um, it was a fatherless um, orphan spirit type of thing. And it just made me very gullible and prone to desire rebellion mm-hmm. and anything that goes against establishment. So because you came from a home of divorce, you, you feel that had... Uh, something to do with or a lot to do maybe with where you went as a young adult or as a a teenager? It was the permission I needed. Mm. It was the permission I needed. But I I can't blame all my problems because once you get older, you have to start taking responsibility for your own actions. Yeah. But it was the permission. It was the start I needed. And and it went on until I didn't have the power to stop. I, I kept it going. But I like to say my. I think my personality is prone towards rebellion. Hmm. Um, I, I, I enjoy. It was fun to me. I enjoyed it. Um, I embraced it. Yeah. How? Okay. So so here you are. You're a young adult now, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, your your world just kind of turns upside down. 
And what I mean by that is all of a sudden you get introduced to drugs. So how in the world did you get introduced to drugs in the first place? Well, it started at 12. It started with marijuana. And I like to say, I don't necessarily, marijuana is psychologically addictive, but mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily physically addictive, like do you, heroin or cocaine. Yeah. Do you feel like it's a gateway drug? Yes, it was very much a gateway drug. So okay. it started with that, and, and, and it was really easy to go to the next level because I embraced that, and that became normal. I mean, it was an everyday occurrence to get high every day for years. Wow. So, so here you are, you got, you know, you're getting high now and, and your world is just, like I said before, your world is just kind of turning topsy-turvy. How in the world did you, did you find anything while you were in that world? I mean, tell me, tell me about your experience in that world. Well, I guess actually, is the best actually I was very popular in high school. Yeah. And so it was a lot of parties. And so mm -hmm. the rebellion was cute, the, the way I like yeah. to say it. Yeah. It, it. I hadn't entered into um, addictive using by this point. It, I was choosing it. It wasn't choosing me yet. Gotcha. And so I was choosing it. It was a lot of parties. I was very um, popular, a lot of girlfriends. Uh, we played ball and it was actually, I had a lot of fun with it for a long time. Mm. And and it was that deceptive, but it was feeding me. It was doing something to me that it didn't do to other people mm. that they were able to stop. It was a spiritual experience for me. Um, taking drugs. Wow. It made me feel okay with me in a way that nothing else did. And, you know, that's, to, to be honest with you, that's that's kind of the real lie of the of the enemy right there. It is. I mean, just just being exposed to, to the drug and the party scene. Mm -hmm. And it always seems to happen in youth. It always seems to happen because they're the most vulnerable. They are. Uh, when it comes to that. And it just always seems to me that the devil can get in. And if if. If there's not a good foundation in your life, mm -hmm. if there's not a good Bible-based family unit there to help protect you from that, mm -hmm. and I know there's a lot of folks out there that have, have that have still gone into the way of drugs, even with a good family unit, yes, but especially sir. with if you don't have a good family unit, That's right. then all of a sudden, here you are. If I don't have that, then I can have this. Mm -hmm. And this will give me worth, and this will give me some kind of of purpose, mm -hmm. as it were. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, it, it's it's really it's really telling what happens with young people when they get exposed to the drugs and alcohol world. And a lot of folks, you know, we don't we just don't get it sometimes. You know, I I've been in ministry pretty much all my life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, even though I've worked in television and um, counseling and being with folks, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it's just amazing some of the things I've seen when it comes to young people and using drugs. But I know there was a point in your life that you had to get so far down that you had to get a pickup that wasn't from drugs. And I want to talk to you about that in our next segment. Yes. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with uh, evangelist Rodney Thompson. He's telling us how he went from the crack house to God's house, and we are so thankful to have him here. We'll be right back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere.
So here you are. Your life is now revolving around drugs. Yes. And everything and everything with it. You know, the drugs, the alcohol, all of those things. Tell me about your life as you were going down the slippery slope. Well, you know, there's a line you cross where you stop choosing it and it starts choosing you. Yeah. Okay. And that happened in the early 30s. So the whole decade of the 30, of my 30s, I was a slave to drugs. And it was crack cocaine, that the introduction, the introduction of crack cocaine to me that really brought that into full effect. And so at the end, towards the ages of 39, I was stealing Unemployable, stealing to support my habit, um, yeah. robbing drug dealers, being shot at Boy, I tell numerous you, times. It's really low when you start robbing the robbers. That's right. Well, that's, they won't call the police. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the safest person yeah. to try to rob, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more afraid of the police. And so, yeah. but anyway, so there I was, you know, and I'll never forget it was towards the end, and I was in these crack houses. And, and, and as God is my witness, a Presbyterian pastor led by the Holy Spirit came in to the hood and called me out of a crack house and gave me the gospel for the first time. Mm. And, you know, I'm looking at him like, you're nuts. You go, somebody's going to rob you. You need to leave. And <laughs> and he left. But I want to let you know that man deposited a, a seed on my heart. I, yeah. I call it a seed of truth. Yeah. It got deposited on my heart and he didn't see the fruit of it, but it, it was deposited. And a few weeks later, I'm still in crack houses and and, and I've run out of money, and, and the drug dealers are there cooking fish, and, and, and I'm hungry and don't know where to go. i got been stealing cars, got felonies on me. And finally, I said, can I have something to eat? And they're laughing at me, and they walk out of the room, and I start eating the scraps of their spit out. Oh. And it was the pig slop, the prodigal son pig, pig slop. Uh -huh. And then when I was eating that pig slop, um, I tell folks it was like Yeshua. I actually saw Yeshua show up, and it was like in the spirit he had a mirror, and he showed me to myself. Wow. And I came to myself like the prodigal mm. son did. And I cried out to Jesus. I cried out to him. I said, Jesus, and I called him by the wrong name yeah. and all that good stuff. But it was the same God. Yeah. And he didn't mind if I called him by the wrong name. He really yeah. didn't. He said he he, he was going to lead me to his real name. But he, I said, if you save me, I'll do whatever you want me to. And, and he just touched me on my head. I was filled with the spirit at that point. Yeah. And I never looked back, you know, and uh, it was not long after that. The Lord told me to go to my mom's house. Yeah. And uh, I went to my mom's house and there was the police there. And I was they were ready for you. They were ready for me and waiting on me. <laughs> and I was arrested. Uh, I mean, God, I mean, I'm following God and he leads me to go get arrested. And, yeah. uh, and I'm yeah. like, wow, what's going on here? This yeah. is getting really nuts. And so yeah. they instead of taking me to jail, they take me to Dorothea Dix Hospital. And I mean, I'm handcuffed to a hospital bed. And uh, a little short, I mean, she couldn't have been no more than five feet tall. Black uh -huh. lady comes uh -huh. up and she just rubbing me on my arm. And she goes, my precious Rodney, I'm going to send you to a Christian ministry. And I'm still handcuffed to the bed. And I just look up at her and I go, well, I just gave my life to Jesus six hours ago. And she went, I know. Wow. And I mean, I mean, the charges disappeared from the computers. She got me a one-way bus ticket and sent me to Faith Farm where I could be discipled in who God is. Now, the charges came back later in my testimony, and mm -hmm. I had to go face up for those. But the thing is, is I called that place to thank that lady, mm -hmm. and they said nobody like that's ever worked here. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You mean 
that you, okay, so you call you call back the the, the organization, the hospital, Dorothea Dix Mental Institution. Yes, and, I did. And, and they said, "Well, who are you talking about? We've never heard." I of said, that "I want to speak to the short lady, uh-huh, that's yeah. five feet tall, black lady, and uh-huh. I still have the bus ticket where she got for me." And I said, "I want to thank her for helping me." And they said, "Nobody like that's ever worked here." That's mm. their very words. And they said, "We don't know who you're talking about." You know. I think you have supernatural interdiction. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't think many of us get that. No. You know, many of us don't get that second chance, you know, where the Almighty comes in and says, you know what? You're worth it. Well, I really needed it. I really needed it probably much. So there's a lot of people that can come to God and follow him without that. And But I needed, I needed some help. And I was beyond um, human yeah. help. I really was. I yeah. mean, I was a slave. There's a difference between being a slave or a problem abuser. There really is. And I became that, and he gave it to me when I cried out to him. You know, I, I tell you, people don't realize a lot of times what kind of effect you can have on people mm-hmm. by just loving on them. Yeah. You know, uh, that uh, that Presbyterian pastor came in and he loved on you and he changed your life. That's right. And this this little black lady Mm -hmm. rubbed your rubbed your arm and she changed your life. That's right. And, you know, they're just extensions of God, of God. That's right. They're just extensions of the almighty saying hand and feet. Yeah. You know, we were talking at lunch today and I was telling you about when I was uh, in New Orleans, Louisiana. I I did a lot of ministry in New Orleans, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something. You can go into a lot of bad places in New Orleans, but one of the worst places you can go into is the Lower Ninth Ward. Uh-huh. Okay, I mean they are some of the baddest of the bad uh-huh. right there. Uh-huh. But you know what we found out as a church? We found out that if you can just extend the arms of God to people mm-hmm. and show them that you love them mm-hmm. and that they care. And, or that you care for them, okay, and where they're going, it makes the world a difference. It does. And it made the world a difference in your life, so much so that I feel like God supernaturally brought these people into your world mm-hmm. just to say to you, I love you. He did. And that's what really humbled me is because I didn't deserve it. Yeah. I deserved hell, yeah. I deserved judgment, and I deserved prison. Yeah. But I didn't get it. I got love Mm -hmm. and I got mercy and I got grace and I knew it. I knew it. And that bent my knee. I mean, it really did. It crushed Mm -hmm. me. And I said, I will follow you wherever you want me to go. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here with evangelist Rodney Thompson. He's gone from the crack house to God's house. And I keep saying that. I like it. Because I think it's important. It is. To know where Rodney's been and where Rodney is now. We're going to talk more with Rodney here in just a moment about the future of what's going on in his ministry and uh, in the future also how you can get in touch with him. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What made Yeshua different from the rabbis of his time? Why did everyone run to see him wherever he went? And what was it that made his message so radical? Yeshua sits down among a crowd, like any teacher should do, and he begins a powerful message that spans several chapters, and it's radical, and it's messy, and it's hard. 
The Radical Rabbi with Pastor Matthew Vanderels is our gift to thank you for supporting A Rude Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in February, we'll send you The Radical Rabbi with Matthew Vanderels on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you the teaching plus the Faith and Generosity box set featuring a solid wood pen, a journal, and a coffee mug featuring the story of the widow's mite. Donate $300 and we'll send you the teaching, the Faith and Generosity box set, plus a pair of authentic Jerusalem stone candle holders. Offer ends February 28th. Call the number on your screen or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Rude Radio Podcast, and we're here with evangelist Rodney Thompson. And Rodney, we have talked the last two segments about the crack house, and now I want to talk a little bit about God's house with you, you okay? Yes. So we this have- is the good stuff. This is the good stuff yeah. for, for this uh, segment. So you went through all of this, and now mm-hmm. you have been redeemed. That's right. As it were. So yeah. talk to me about your life now. And God spent a good bit of time when I started coming into Torah about, you know, the, sin, the sins of my heart being revealed, my selfishness. Yeah. And it really um, helped develop my character as uh-huh. a father, husband, and as a man, a son of God. Mm-hmm. And it really armed me with a better witness, more genuine love in my heart. Yeah. And, um, and I started uh, going out from there. And I, as evangelism, I like to say it's more of a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I evangelize wherever I go. It's just what I do when I live and breathe. And so I do that. But we did, you know, do a lot of places and in, in, in targets, you know, we target people groups and stuff like yeah. that. So uh, so right now, mm-hmm. if somebody because I'd like to talk about, you know, for just a couple of minutes about that person, I want to talk about what you, how do I want to say this? I want to talk about the person that Rodney was and who the person Rodney is today. And if you had the opportunity to talk to that old Rodney okay. right now, what would you say to him right now? And there's a lot of folks watching this right now mm-hmm. and they're sitting and they're in the crack house. I mean, you never know. I mean, this is on computers. It's on phones. It's everywhere. And there are people out there that could be sitting in the crack house right now waiting to hear a word because they ain't got no future. Their future is no hope in their world. There is no hope. This is as high as it gets. Literally. Mm -hmm. Tell me, what would you say to that old Rodney right now? Really? I would say you're believing a lie. Mm. You're just believing a lie. It's not the truth. You've been deceived and you've been hit in a place where it hurt you deeply. And the thing is, is, is God can heal that. God's not the one that inflicted the wound. Right. It was the devil. Mm. So get your bullseye off of God and place it on the devil mm-hmm. because that's the one who's hurting you. Uh, right. God wants to save you. He came and seek and save the loss. He wants the reward of his suffering. He suffered for you. Mm-hmm. And that's what he wants. And the thing is, is he loves you and he will heal your heart. You know, he can be a father to you that your father never was. He can heal you of these things and he can bring you into a reality that you are self-sufficient. You can take care of yourself and you're not being chased by the law. Mm -hmm. You're not in trouble with the IRS. None of this stuff. So I guess what you're really saying is there is a way out. 
Absolutely. There is absolute 100% hope, no doubt whatsoever in my mind. I don't care what level of drug addict you are. I don't care how much dope you're shooting. I don't care how much crack you're smoking. Come on. God is over all of it, and I am living proof. See, that's where the faith comes in because yeah. I live it, and I have zero doubt about that. Because this this isn't this isn't speculation no, on your part. You've no, lived it no. from start to finish. I know it. Yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah. Now, he does a lot of times do it in different ways. Yeah. Sometimes it's a bam, like he did me. It was suddenly, and I stopped, and I never used again. But there's a lot of people who are back and forth. Mm -hmm. And you're like, why do I keep going back and forth? Well, there's a lot of battling against the flesh. You need to yeah. realize there's a battle against the flesh. The flesh is at odds with the spirit. And so there's a battle of that. It's called the conflict of two natures in the Bible. Uh. And the thing is, is you've got to feed the spirit, not the flesh, because what you sow into, that you shall reap. So if you're feeding that flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh and drug addictions from the flesh, sex addictions from the flesh. Mm. But the spirit of God is different. So into that, you will reap from that. So what about the future now, Rodney? We talked about, you know, uh, the, your past. We talked about the present. What's in what's in store for Rodney in the future? Tell me about your ministry. Tell me about mm -hmm. uh, what you're doing to spread the word of Yeshua Messiah yeah. to the nations. Raising up my children with my yeah. wife yeah. to be witnesses. Mm -hmm. we're, we're raising them to be witnesses. Good. And we're raising them to be in but not of the mm -hmm. world. And then plus we are, uh, have a growing ministry and in India and Pakistan were right on the verge of rescuing uh, 50 girls from forced prostitution uh, and creating a discipleship house in India. Wow. Uh, we've got a, a, a discipleship house and a, a Shabbat group in uh, Pakistan that's evangelizing Muslims in the 1040 window. They're under Sharia law and they're being discipled into a Hebraic Yeshua, observing Sabbath and, and all Torah observance. Hallelujah. In the spirit and truth, though, not just Torah. But yeah. the power of the Spirit also. And so that God has shown me that as we're faithful with that, there will be more. And so Freedom Hill Congregation in St. Louis is where I'm a board member and elder. Yeah. And then we serve on the leadership team with Matt Hoffman, Jim Lindley, and the other guys, Anthony Alvarez, and, and our families. And we're all accountable. And we've all decided we're going to walk through this door together. And we're all accountable to each other. And uh, none of us are perfect, but we're going to follow this thing wherever it leads. And so there is a measure of faith about what's the future because this door just recently opened about six or seven months ago, and we don't know where it leads. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is we're walking through the door. Well, Miss missions into discipling the nations in Torah, yeah. spirit and truth. Well, you have come a long way, my brother. Absolutely. And I am just so thrilled to know you mm -hmm. and to call you friend. And uh, I, 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 you know what, ladies and gentlemen, we could all just sit back and learn from Rodney's testimony today. And it's uh, such a blessing for you to be here with us. You know, we're going to take one more quick break. We're going to come back and I want to ask you where we can get in touch with you. If we have more, if we need to know more information about what's going on in your ministry and so forth. So we'll be right back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to tell you how to get in touch with evangelist Rodney Thompson right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with Rodney Thompson, evangelist extraordinaire and 
former crackhead. (laughs) (laughs) Rodney, tell us how we can get in touch with you and your ministry in the future if we have more uh, questions. Well, I appreciate you asking. Um, Our congregation has a web page, and it's called Freedom Hill Community. Dot com. Okay. And uh, you can always go there and uh, there's uh, ways you can message us or, or give financially if mm-hmm. you want to choose so. Um, we also have a uh, web page called 1040 Mission. And this 1040 Mission is another way to give um, right there. Or you can email me at bic.business.services at gmail.com. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Thank you, Rodney. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for coming out of that world and going into the world of Yeshua Messiah. And, you know, we were talking in the break that your testimony is going to touch somebody in that crack house today Mm -hmm. and let them know that there is something more than what they're living right now. And I just want to thank you so very much for that. And thank you for being here with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been here with Evangelist Rodney Thompson. And uh, like I said, uh, you can rewind the video and figure out where to get in touch with Rodney. He uh, has done just such a wonderful, wonderful job in evangelizing people. And now for our crew here and our radio producer, Kenneth Cullens, we wish you peace and love. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Rude Radio Podcast. God bless.